about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. Someone say Amen. Alright, let's go into our scripture this morning. Let's get right into the word of God because this afternoon it is going to be slightly rough. Just slightly, not, not too much. Uh, Joshua, let's go to the book of Joshua and chapter 14. And I'm going to read from verse 6. Now, a delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me, Moses, he sent me uh, from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned. And he says, I gave an honest report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my, for my part, I wholeheartedly what followed the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me. What did Moses do? He what? Promised him. He promised him. He says, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God now as you can see the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise 45 years after a promise was made he says even while Israel wanders in the wilderness today I'm 85 years old I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I can travel and fight. Someone says fight. He says I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So, so give me the hill countries that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as a scout we found the descendants of Anak living there in great world towns. But if the Lord is with me I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb the son of Jephunneh and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron was still belonged to the descendants of Caleb. And if you ever go to Israel, which you should next year. Mm -hmm. Seriously, you will understand what we're talking about. The, you, um, from next week, we will give you more information about Israel. You will never understand the Bible until you see it. Now, I'll bring some people up who went there that it's, it's my second time, second time in a year. Um, this one was very, very good because the last time it wasn't really members of the church and where we could sing, we got on a boat and we had praise and worship on the boats in Galilee. You understand? Nobody sank because Jesus was with us. And if we had, 
you know, and, and, and then uh, all of them were baptized. If you're actually thinking of getting baptized again, I mean, we all got baptized again. Uh, it, it's pretty cool. If you're thinking of renewing your wedding vows, it's a good place to do that. It's a beautiful, great place. We had fun. But the, this thing I'm talking about made the Bible come alive. He says in verse 14, Hebrews still belongs to the descendants of Caleb. And those who went will understand this. The son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Quickly go with me to chapter 15, 13 to 15. Chapter 15, 13. The Lord commanded Joshua to assign some of Judah's territory to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. God commanded Joshua to do that. So Caleb was given the town of Kira'abah. That is Hebron, which had been named after Enoch's ancestors. And what did Caleb do? He drove out the three groups of the Anakites, the descendants of Shishai, Aham, Talmai, and the son of Anak. That's what he did. He drove them out. If you now go with me quickly to Joshua chapter 17, just a few scriptures um, further, 12 to 13. He says, but the descendants of Manasseh were unable to occupy these towns. Because the Canaanites were determined to stay in that region. Two different people. Two different issues. He says later however. When the Israelites became strong enough. They forced the Canaanites to work as slaves. But they did not drive them out of the land. Last and final scripture. Is Ephesians 5.14 says. Wherefore he said. Awake thou that sleepest. Wake up. Those who are sleeping. Wake up. This morning. And arise from the dead. And Christ shall give thee light. Breathe over your words this afternoon, O God, that lives will be shaped, dreams will be fulfilled, and success will be guaranteed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this story, I want you to understand that Caleb, which, which we spoke about, was not actually born of the tribe of Jacob. Caleb was actually a descendant of Esau. Esau. He was a descendant. He, the Bible says he was the son of Jephunneh, the Canaanites. The Canaanites were said to be foreigners who descended from Esau through Canaan. So when you read the scriptures in Numbers 13, 16, Joshua 15, 17, you will find that they were not actually from the tribe of Judah. No. They became followers of the Lord and they were now assimilated by reason of what Caleb did into the tribe of Judah. So they became part of the tribe of Judah, but Caleb was not actually from the lineage of Jacob. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Because wherever you plug yourself into has the tendency to make you prosper or the tendency to destroy you. This is very important. So they plugged themselves in and then they got part of the promise of the land that was not designed for them by birth, but by association. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? Okay, let me not dwell on that this morning, uh, this afternoon. So, where am I going? God has spoken to us this year that it is a year of rising. And I'm praying and I believe that that prophetic word will surely manifest itself in your life. But after a visit to Israel, and I will milk this for a while, so relax. But after a visit to Israel, God began to deal with me as we were going all over the place. And he dealt with me because that tour guide said one thing. 
He says, can you see this land? It is barren. It is dry. It's arid. It's a desert. I said, this is the land that God promised the children of Israel. But when God promised the children in Israel, he says, the land will flow with milk and honey. But that land in the physical was a rocky, arid, and hard place. However, there was a promise that the land will flow. I can't, no matter how much I present that picture, you will not understand until you get there next year. You won't understand it. But just follow me. The land that God promised them, 80%, maybe 80, 60 or something percent of it, is rocky, is hard, is a desert. But a few months ago, the Prime Minister of Israel went to see the Prime Minister of India and gave him a gift. He opened the box and inside the gift was a filter system. And they, and then he demonstrated to them, they took water from an ocean, poured it into this small container, and then in the midst of Pobiham, I'm not sure, maybe two minutes or a minute or something, water came out of the other side, he picked it up and he drank it and told them to drink it. It's never been done before. It's called desalination. Never. But it was made up, it was uh, invented in Israel. When you go to Israel right now, it is the most contested land in the entire world. Because the land is flowing with milk and honey. When God was promising them a land, he was promising them ability. <laughs> he was promising something you can conquer and when every other person runs away, by my promise, I said that land will flow. I'm going somewhere this morning. One thing we need to understand is that when God said to them, go and conquer the land, on the physical, the land didn't look that good. But God said, this land will flow with milk and honey. When God said, we will arise this year, he didn't say you will arise based on a promise that things will be okay. He says, I'm promising you, you will arise because it's a covenant. And when God makes a covenant, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what that covenant goes through, the covenant will stand. The Bible says in Psalm 89, 34 and Psalm 105, verse 8, he said two things. He says, my covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. In Psalm 105, verse 8, he says, he had remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. At 40, he said to him, I give you this land. 45 years later, at 85, that he came back to the land when everybody else had died. The Bible says, he says, God has kept me all throughout this year by a covenant. That that land I promised you at 40 will still be waiting for you at 45. Which means there are things you shouldn't struggle about. Because when God said it, it will surely come to pass. However, mm -hmm, however, the covenant and the possession of the land is not 
given without a fight. The man that was at the gate called Beautiful, that was lame, when John and Peter saw him, he said to him, rise and walk. When Jesus got to the pool of Bethsaida, the man who was there for 38 years, he looked at him and says, what? Rise and what? And walk. He said to them, he says, rise and walk. In the book of Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1, which is our scripture for the year, he says what? Arise from spiritual depression to a new life. Shine and be radiant with glory and the brilliance of God. Now, throughout all these three examples I've just given you, never once was it given to them, they were told to rise. That means to conquer the land, you have to rise beyond your present circumstances and move to the new level, the next level. So my message for the next few weeks is what? It's up to you. That's my title. Turn to someone and say, it's up to you. Uh, uh, come on, if, they, if they're looking spiritual and they didn't look at you, tap them on the shoulder and say, it's up to you. Uh, come, look behind you and say, it's up, it's up to you. Upstairs, say, say, yo, 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 yo. It's up to you. So look at them and say, I admire your hair, but it's really up to you. Uh, it, it, it's, it's up to you. It's up to you. Now, now it, the land was given to them. God says we're going to rise this year. But let's not be foolish that it is not a, it's not a word for excitement. It is a reality that needs to be fought for. So this year, if we're going to rise, we have to deal with some preconceived mentalities and behaviors that stops us from rising. We've got to learn to rise. We can't keep staying in the same place forever. And the only way we can make progress and move forward is God said to me, deal with some mentality, some thought process. Because the only way and the only reason why the land of Israel is the most contested land till date. And the reason why it was been conquered 17 times and rebuilt 17 times is because there's something about that land that nobody saw until God promised it and they fought for it. That land was occupied by someone else. God didn't say you will have it for free. And I remember one pastor says, whatever you want to get, someone else has it right now. You've got to fight for it. So God says it is yours, but it's up to you. It's up to you to fight for it. It's up to you to fight for it. So God said to me, you've got to start to deal with some mentalities because it is the, it is the shift in their mentality that makes them own and defend the land. There was, can I just quickly say about something about the Jewish people? They were scattered all over before. Some in America, some in Poland, some, some in, in, in Germany, some in all that. And they decimated them. Until one prime minister came up and says, we are occupying this land. And every time you go to Israel, you meet Israel, there's one thing that comes to their mind. They will always say it, never again. Never again. Never again can there be a holocaust. Never again can they be mistreated. Never again. We have got this land. We will die for this land. 
But you are not the owner of this land. And then they will refer you to thousand years, decades that God gave you to us. We didn't need to sign an agreement. It was given. And then we fought for it. And at one point in time, it was up to them to come back to the land and defend the land. And take back the land. The Babylonians had it. The Assyrians had it. The Romans had it. The Crusaders had it. The Ottomans had it. But at one point in time, the promise had it. And they had to come back and fight for the promise. Because it's up to them. And God said to me, he said, go back. And I've been afraid. I've been praying throughout because I wanted to come back. And if you haven't been in church for a while, you want to come back and be nice. So, so, so I've been praying this morning. God, give me a message that will make them love me the more. And God said, yes, I've just given it to you. So God said, deal with their mentality. So I'm going to deal with six kinds of mentalities, hopefully. But the first one is, I'm only taking one today. Six, you, know, you have to fight for it. <laughs> The first mentality I want to destroy, and this message is for the 17 to 40. That's the message. For those who are above that, gain from it. But really, I'm coming for you. I'm coming to your backside house. House. The backyard. Your backyard. 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 Clear your mind. God be with you. I'm coming for you over these next few weeks. Listen to me. Have you ever noticed we, we spoke about rise, we spoke about eagles' wings, we spoke about all that. Do you know how eagles fly? Many of you, eh, they saw, but before they saw, how did they get there? The mother eagle is brutal. To get the eaglets to fly and so. She makes sure that they're hungry for two to three days. She puts them beside the edge of the mountain, the cliff. And then she puts food in her mouth and starts taunting them to come and get it. And the eaglets will be... And she says, no, you need to come and get it. And then when she's fed up and they don't, then the male eagle comes and pushes them out. And they start to descend and start crying. Go, check wildlife. There's a loud screeching noise. And they're descending and they're falling. And you know when the Bible says we will rise like on eagle's wings. You see, the, the, the truth of the matter is that before the eaglet hits the ground and feels I am finished. The, the, the male eagle comes, swoops in, picks them up on their wings. And then takes them to a high place. And they're like, and then drops them again. <laughs> Teaching them that your survival in life has to do with fighting. You've got to learn to flap those wings. I'm not giving you everything. Can you just imagine God doing that to us? And people are saying, this is where I need to find another God. But, 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 <laughs> But that's, that's a real issue. It's a real issue. I, I'm not sure if you, if you understand someone just dropping you from that height. I went to Dubai some time ago. I said, was it Dubai or something? There were two places that this happened. But, 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 but one, I remember. Uh, uh, and anytime you go on these high roller coasters, you know, all these kind of high, you know, 
these, these nice, not so nice, prayerful things uh, that you do. My wife is up for the challenge. And so, we, we, so, so, so we were, we, we, where were we? Orlando, yeah, that's true, it was Orlando. And then there was this massive thing, you get up there, you stand in this pod, and boom, it just opens up, and then you drop. It's only my wife that would go on that kind of thing. My son and I, we, actually, when we were climbing, because you have to climb up, when we were going up, and I'm like, this is not of God. This, is, this, can't, this can't be true. This, this really is not. And my wife would say, okay, let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep. And then you will queue for disaster. <laughs> and then I got up there, and I'm like, this is not happening. My son said, oh, no, it's not happening. I said, we have a kindred spirit. It's not happening. And then he said, oh, you can take the slide. So, because there's a lot of people, we had to take the slide. You have to save face. My wife decided to go into the pod. And I'm seeing, it was just, it's like a shoot. Boom. You just get, boom. You just get, boom. I'm like, honey, are you sure? I said, anyway, we went through the side. We waited for her to do our own stuff. They told you, hold your hands like this. It kind of reminds me if they're going to bury someone. I said, hold your hands like this and they'll count down or something counts down or sometimes it doesn't, it just opens and you're off. I said, make sure you don't lift your hands. Just keep it like this. So we took the slide and we, no, we watched for her go and when she went, I heard a word that other people didn't care. Jesus! <laughs> And I'm thinking in my mind, did Jesus tell you? I'm not sure why you're calling Jesus to something he didn't tell you to do. And so we went down through the slide. We had fun. That still was too much for me. And then we got down there. We were looking for her. Where are you? Where is she? Where is she? And someone said, we need to go to the first aid booth. That's where we really now need Jesus. Because that one, he had disappeared for a while. We got there and we saw her arm was injured. Because while she said Jesus, she lifted up her hand. She thought she was in church. <laughs> but then we now traveled to the van. I saw the same thing again. I said, come on, Ty. Come on, come on, Ty. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. The only thing I knew was, don't say Jesus and lift up your arm. So I said it, and the, and the ground opened, and I went, I closed my eyes until I felt the water. It looked like everything within me was going, I'm like, Jesus, 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 why did you tell me to do this? And it reminds me, as I was preaching about the eagle, it reminds me of how that eaglet felt going down at that speed. But he's saying that if I don't teach you to do this, your survival in life depends on the training you go through for the battle you will face. So the first mentality that we have to deal with this morning to allow us to rise like eagles is what I call, get rid of what I call the entitlement mentality. 
Tap someone, say entitlement mentality. No, tap them, say you're not entitled to it. Say, 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 say to them, you're promised, but you're not entitled. This is the time they're looking at their Bibles. You don't, you, you no more bring Bibles to church. So, look at someone and say, you're not entitled to it. Say, you got to fight. You have to fight. You have to fight. This entitlement mentality invades even our relationship with God. We begin to feel that we deserve something from God. That God owes us something because he promised he needs to deliver. God didn't fast for 31 days. In fact, I added another five days just on top. Just, just, just toppings. You know, I just added to it. Just, 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 just added. So why is things not happening? Because we are approaching God as if we are entitled to it. And God says, no, 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 no. I promised you, but you're not entitled to it because the, the deed of entitlement, you've got to fight for it. Paying attention to Caleb, the enemies still held the land that was promised to him. Caleb was 85 years old. Nevertheless, he was requesting the right to march against the enemies that was occupying his territory. If everything we call destiny, and on, on Wednesdays I wanted to go, take us on a journey of what is destiny? What is my destiny? What is called destiny? But, but if everything is by destiny, which I believe some people call it fate, is given to us, then we don't have to do anything. We just have to have it. But then that would be wrong because what do we, how do we interpret when the Bible says, in the book of Proverbs 14.23 says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. How do we argue when the Bible says in Hebrews 12.1, run with endurance the race God has set out before us. How do we argue that? You have got to rise to take over and not take over and rise. You've got to first rise. The land you want is occupied. God wants to grant us new territories, new places in Kim. But they will never be realized until we take dominion from where we are now. And until you rise and take this mountain, you will always, the mountain will always have an upper hand in your life and it will keep you from the blessings that God has for you. And what we need to destroy in this day and age, especially for the young ones, is this entitlement mentality. So, so I, I, I want to talk to, to us about signs of this entitlement mentality. Why, why, why we feel we're entitled to it. It, is, it plagues the world right now. It doesn't only plague the world, but it plagues the church. We feel we're entitled to it. We don't have to work for it. We just feel we can just pray and everything will happen. Prayer is powerful, but prayer leads us into an answer. Signs of How do you know if you have an entitled mentality? Number one, people with an entitlement mentality refuse to fight. You know what they do? They tend to feel sorry for themselves. 
If things don't go their way, they now fall into what is called self-pity. They openly advertise this in a melodramatic, attention-seeking way. <laughs> things are not working. My, my life has come to an end. Melodramatic. Girls don't marry a man who doesn't have a backbone. Seriously. Just a threat. Just a threat from his landlord. They start crying to you. Just, just a threat. Just, 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 just a threat. This is the fact you call them. Oh, how are you doing this? Oh, look, 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 look. I can't talk. I can't talk. I, I can't talk. I've, I've got a flat tire. And everything is really. Look, 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 look. Don't do that. Run from them. Just tire. Walk, man. Don't you have legs? Jizzle, just flakes of snow. <laughs> Giving up. You can't go to work. You're under the duvet. It's flakes, just flakes. <laughs> it's flakes. It's not steel. Just flakes. Just, 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 just flakes. Trust me. It's not by six pack. It's by here. Don't, 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 don't fall apart. You, 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 you're, you're a woman, a young girl. You can't even sort yourself out. But you want to marry. You're going to have to sort yourself out. Sort your husband out. Sort the children out. And sort your job. And you're, 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 you're capitulating. On, on, just, on, just, on, just, on just a cooking that went wrong. On just the hair they didn't do right. You're capitulating because you, you, you missed the sale. Seriously? No fight. You went for an interview. They said no. And then you start crying. I allow you to cry, but get up again. It's, 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 people refuse to fight and then they become melodramatic. You know why? Because they've gone back to their young days when mom says no and they start rolling on the floor. And mom didn't... There are things I can't say, but I'm going to have to use my own example. Eh? <laughs> she said no. And you started rolling on the floor. My mom. She'll say, oh, keep going. I'm coming. <laughs> Stay there. Stay there. Keep, 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 keep rolling. I will beat you. You roll by the pain. And when I finish you, you will show your children's children the marks. You're rolling. And so now you now get married. You're, you're still rolling. It's except that your toys have gone higher. No fight. You lost the job. No fight. There's no fight within you. There's a, there's a, I, I showed you some, some time ago the pursuit of happiness. How? The man fought for it. His wife left him. But he didn't have the entitlement mentality. I am not entitled to it. I have to fight for it. God promised me, but I've got to fight for it. I've got to fight for it. You start crying on food. Listen to what in Numbers chapter 11, 4 to 6, so I can give you scripture. He says, the rabbis who were among them had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we used to eat free in Egypt. Seriously? You know they used to beat them? They were slaves. 
But they now said it was free. <laughs> this is melodrama. The, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the cube, and the garlics. He says, but now, but now our appetite is gone. How can your appetite go and you're crying for food? Can you see that when you're melodramatic, you lose all sense? He says, now our appetite has gone. There's nothing at all to look at except for the manna. They started to say to God, we're entitled to the food. But when you were in Egypt, you could not say you're entitled to it because they, you have to work for it before you can eat. People who have this entitlement mentality, they expect the same rules that apply to others shouldn't apply to them. For example, other people might need to start at the bottom and walk their way up. But I shouldn't do that. I should just pray and eagle's wings will happen. They believe they deserve a job they didn't earn because they have no idea how the person currently filling that position earns their job. I have pastors that walk in and say, Pastor, how did you do it? How do you do it? And then when I tell them, well, you've got to do this, you try this, try this, and everything is unto God. Ah, well, well, well my, people, my people are not like that. And I'm like, bro, you've got to work for it. You've really got to work for it. We've really got to be careful. I'm, and I'm speaking to the young ones. You're going to get married. When I get married, I just uh, 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 make sure my, my, my engagement ring is sparkling. Sparkle? Seriously? If, if you can, that's fine. But I've never seen anyone who divorced and said, I'm not divorcing you because of the ring. Come on. Hollywood. Five million, six million. The first sign that you will know things are not right is they will take that same ring that they showed off in the beginning off. Ring. I asked guys, and I knew I said this over and over again, and I keep saying it. How much are you? Well, how much is the ring you want to buy her? When he says something crazy, I slap him with the word. He's serious. You want to impress someone? You're taking them out to Akasan Mayfair. You even haven't finished eating. And she's saying, well, anyone who wants to really go out with me must know how to take care of me. Are you serious? Do you know that people have to walk to get there? You're looking at people who are older, who are in their 40s, and, 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 and you think you're entitled to get there without them walking. You're, you're looking at your parents and asking them to invest in your business. Did you put... Did you, did, 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 were you there when they were walking the streets of London or Africa or India or wherever you come from, Jamaica, and, and were cleaning the floors and working hard to make, put food on the table and send your, your happy uh, life to school? And now you think you're entitled to it? And then they get onto the plane, they say, sit in the economy, they say, no, oh, that's not fair, why are you sitting in business now? Go walk for it. You feel you're just entitled to go on holidays. My son told me last year, he said, you know, we didn't go on holiday anywhere. I said, yes, we got to sit down and do some work. He said, I'm not used to it. I said, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Seriously. One day we went on holidays. He, as we were going to go together, he said, give me the keys to the room. I said, we, his wife and I, um, not his wife, my, <laughs> Shando Bohosha. Uh, my wife and I were looking at him like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
So I said, Johnny, just give him the key. Because at that point in time, I know they're both going to argue. I said, Johnny, just, just give him the key. He got the key, opened the door. I said, what are you doing? He said, I need to inspect the room. I'm like, hey. Seriously. Like, to, to do what? He, to see if it's good. I'm like, ah, at this age, are you serious? Remember when we were taking him to school one day, we now had to book a small hotel just to sleep overnight. He walked into the room and told, came back and said to his mom, did you check the room before you paid for it? I'm looking at like, you're actually entitled to this. I said, you're sleeping in the bathroom. <laughs> Seriously. No, 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 everyone's growing up with that entitlement. That I'm, I'm, I'm entitled to have this. You're not entitled to have anything. You work for it. You're living in the house with your parents and they say, can you contribute 200 pounds? No, I'm saving for my own house. Seriously? Go and find a place and rent and then tell the landlord you're not paying him the rent because you're saving. No, no, no. Seriously. What are you saying, Pastor? If God has given you that privilege, be grateful. You're not entitled to it. Nothing you have was free. Someone has worked for it. And we come to God and say, God, give it to me. Give you what? He says, give me this mountain. I will fight for it. But we have a mentality that it should be given to us. People with an, an entitlement mentality. And then I'm talking to the church. I'm not talking to your friends outside. They're even better than some people in church. Because they walk into church and say, hey, 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 uh, do, do, do uh, cornerstone. Why? Uh, if you don't do cornerstone, then we can't marry you. And uh, Why? Why? If you're going to get married, you have to pay fee. Why? Like all these guys on the Israel, they're, 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 they're your slaves. For your wedding, they should keep coming out every single week to come and pay for free. What? The, the, the question you ask some of them is, what have you done to help us? Seriously. At one point in time, you fight. I had to fight for myself now. Go for your wedding, sit, sit in the car. You're still at home doing makeup. And then I have to go to a petrol station to buy bread. Buy bread to eat. Waiting for you will pay. Seriously. I don't care if you don't like it, find another church. And then you go to another church. And then the church will tell you to pay for this, pay for this. There was a church I went to. And we were starting. We are waiting for the people who, the, the bride, the, the groom to come. And the, I just saw the woman was calm. I was angry. And she was just saying, Pastor Ty, don't worry, Pastor Ty, don't worry. Pastor. I said, I don't know how you deal with this. How do you deal with lateness? And the woman said, no, no, they paid. I said, pay for what? <laughs> she said, when they're late, they forfeit 500 pounds. I'm like, how many minutes? It's 15 minutes. I said, I don't have the time. I said, seriously. So I called Pastor Fair and I called and said, did you hear that? <laughs> then I immediately sent word to the guys. I said, if you do not pay 300 pounds late fee, I'm not going to marry you. I was about to walk out. i like, today begins the... the, the I said, cash. So when the... <laughs> when the groomsmen came in and the, I said, uh, there's no wedding. They looked at me, Pastor. I said, unless you come up with 300 pounds, that's why he put you there. This is why your groomsmen and your bridesmaids. So when trouble comes, you will help. Find the money. They found the money. I waved it. Cash. I counted it neatly. Cash. 
and then I gave it to other people who needed the money. Seriously. And then you say, why? Is he not pastor? No, I'm not pastor. I'm tied. Marriage to my wife and my son. Not for you. I'm not going to die. Because you have this entitlement mentality because he's pastor. Seriously. I, I, I walked before I became a pastor. I'm not a beggar. You don't have to stay in church. And then we do this to our friends. We do this to everybody. How do I know if you have an entitlement mentality? When you see other people as competition and as threats. When I'm entitled, I begin to, I begin to think people treat me unfairly or don't give me enough. They, I, I, they, they start to live in anger and resentment and frustration because others are not responding to them in the way they feel they should respond. They put stuff on WhatsApp and stuff there. Be, oh, I'm advertising a new business. I'm on this. Yeah, but the church doesn't support me. People are not buying from me. Seriously. You, you, you want me to spend my money on your business that I do not believe in. Do you realize that the road to success is lonely? Don't, 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 don't have a business and expect the whole church to support your business. Don't come to church for business deals. It's not happening. And if you have your business and there's trouble, don't come to me. If you go into a deal with someone, don't come. I've said this so many times because when you are doing the business, you didn't tell me. No. Sometimes it's lonely. Sometimes people don't believe in the business. But as you continue to fight for it, some other people will believe in it. Wasn't there a testimony of a lady who was doing swimwear? She was about to give up and then someone in America, whatever her name is, you understand? Uh, just decided to just wear it by chance. And then bam, it happens. It's because she knew I'm not entitled to take money out of you. I have to fight for it. People with an entitlement mentality, they wait for things to happen. They are minimum input, maximum expectation. They do the bare minimum yet expect most in return. Your inconvenience, you inconvenience others without thinking. Meet me here at 4 p.m. At 4 p.m., you're just doing your makeup at home, feeling that the other person doesn't have anything to do. No respect for other people's life. I remember, I said, this is the first time. I went for a pastor's conference. And then we sat there here in London. And I got there. It said 11 o'clock. Got there at 11. And, and, and then we were all doing, and then we had to do praise and worship, and then pray. And then the covenant of the, of the now came down with six other pastors and walked through. As they were walking through, I walked out. They, and they saw me walk out. And then they called me, and what happened? I said, are you serious? He said, am I your church member? Do you really think I have time to be doing praise and worship and clapping my hands when I came for information and then you think you're the big boys and then you're walking down? Are you serious? Do you really, really not have respect for other people's time? Is that what you do in your church? By 12 o'clock, by 9 o'clock, service has started here. And if not for some other people, I'll be in service. I will not give you an appointment. I think because I'm pastor, I won't be there. If I'm late, you will see me calling you. It's respect of other people's time. But we think we're better than we think everybody should wait. And then you will come, oh, oh, I apologize. 
And then some people think that we should have the fruit of the Spirit for your foolishness. The fruit of the Spirit is not for foolishness. Those who went with me to Israel understood. I am taking you. You are not on a holiday. I took you there. So when I say 8 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock. We're going out 8 o'clock. But the first day, they didn't realize that. So by 8 o'clock, some of them were just going for breakfast. I'm like, are you serious? You're going hungry. Are you serious? I said 8 o'clock. And now, you, if you want to have breakfast, you have breakfast in it. If you don't feel I'm pastor, I don't care. When you want to have breakfast, 7.30, get there. Sit down. Have a proper meal. And give time to go to the toilet afterwards. Because 8 o'clock, the bus is moving. No, I, I'm trying to cover all areas. Because you can't now finish saying that something happened with him. No, 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 no. Give room for that too. <laughs> Our attitude as Christians is harming our environment. And yet you say you're a Christian. You walk into work late. I say, sorry, I'm late. Sorry, you're late for what? Every single week? It's an entitlement mentality. And then when, they, when I want to give bonuses, you're arguing, why is your bonus not the same as others? It's because you're lazy, man. You come to work late and you're the first to leave. You're the, you're the only one that adds sickness to your holidays. They check your record and 25 days sick leave, you take it every year and yet you want promotion. And then you lift up and say, eh, by your spirit, I will rise. Nothing is rising. I prayed to be nice this afternoon. People with an entitlement mentality have what I call false faith. Only Pentecostal Christians I see this madness in. Name and claim. Name and claim what? Remember I told you one day, they came with this preaching, name it and claim it. When you see something on someone you want it, name it and claim it. Ah, it was madness. And then one day I just bought a new tie. And one guy walked up to me. He says, I named that tie and I claim it. So I took off the tie and as I was about to give it, I said, I rename it and I claim it back. Are you serious? So you could actually name and claim every part of my clothes and then I should walk naked. Seriously. Let's name it and claim it. Name. I, I remember in those days, people just walk into a showroom. I name it and then I claim it. And they're going into debt. What stupidity. And then the one pastor will tell you, if you give a hundred pounds, sevenfold. Then we should all be millionaires. Come on, let's get rid of this nonsense. I have to teach you the right thing. This is not church where we just talk. It's a church where God has given us a mentality to think and turn a hard land to flow with milk and honey. The Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. So why did he say works? True faith results in action. Entitlement results in inaction. You're not entitled to anything. You're not entitled to absolutely nothing. The fact that you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth was because someone else had to work for that silver spoon. You're not entitled to it. You're not entitled to nothing. I told my dad, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, My mom passed away and then he was considering marrying one fool. And I said to him, this is a fool. She wants to kill you and destroy you. 
And he said, come on, this is not, this is not right. And we had these arguments. And I said, you know, I don't have, I'm not looking for your, your, your inheritance. I'm not going to fight for no inheritance. I'm building my own life. No, no second wife is going to come and kill me. I'm not coming to the house. I will send you money, take care of you, but I'm not stepping in. I'm going to fight for me because I saw you fight for it. So I will fight for it. And my dad just calmed down. And today we know we, there's no issues <laughs> or tissues. But some of us, are, are, we're depending on our parents. That's why we are not thinking. My parents will give me money to buy my property. You're not thinking. And so we're not fighting for it. And then when you have the property, you can't stay in it because you don't know how to maintain it. Because you always lived and you didn't realize that council tax is coming. Water bills are coming. Gas is coming. You didn't understand that sometimes you have to pay tax on it. But you, you didn't understand all that. But you just want to have it. And I have to teach the church that the only way to obtain and maintain is to have an aggressive spirit to fight. How do you defeat self-entitlement? Three things and we're done. Be ready for the contest. The fourth C is be ready for the what? Contest. You've got to fight. There's a contest. Jacob, um, Caleb kept the, the promise in his forefront. So when he faced a problem, he went back to the covenant. Every person who is aggressive is effective. The land of Israel was possessed by a fight, not a bunch of people with a mentality of a slave. Oh, please help me out. Oh, please. Uh, 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 mm, things are a bit bad. Do you have a hundred pounds? You're begging. Begging mentality. And then you make a confession, I'm not a beggar. How does that match up? You've really got to sit up and fight. Some parents need to kick their children out of the house. There's a time limit for my son. He has no idea. I have to teach you. Because if not, I'm going to reduce your room. Put it in half. And get a lodger to stay in half. <laughs> Got to fight for it. Got to fight for it. Let's teach the next generation to fight. Do you know that... Do you know that Wealthy people sit down on the table every Sunday or every time and their children are there when they're doing their business deals, when they're discussing. Christians are praying or playing. You've got to fight for it. Number two, you've got to be content. Content. How do you get rid of that self-entitlement? Be content. Contentment means that I'm hap my happiness is not dependent upon my circumstance. I'm, give me two minutes, honestly. If you're not contented, you will be contentious. Discontentment brings down your speed and makes you defenseless. So when you're not content within yourself, you refuse to fight. And when you're not content, you will start to compete. And when you're competing, competition itself is not bad, but when you compete because you're comparing, then it becomes a problem. Because when you're not content, you start comparing. And when you start comparing, you start to look away from God. And then you enter into darkness. When you stop comparing, then you stop becoming depressed. Then you have the ability to fight. 
The fact that someone else had a 45,000 wedding doesn't mean you have to. Have a 45 pounds one and be content. Sooner or later, they will come and meet you in your rising. What's the matter with you? The fact that someone else is driving a good car doesn't mean you need to go into debt. Your issue may not be a car, it may be a house. Do you know there are guys who are driving good cars when I owned my first property? God says, don't walk on four legs, walk on two. So I used my leg at his bends. And I was walking all over the place. I was going to the tube, I walk, leg the bends everywhere. The, the Bible didn't say, wheresoever the sole of your car. Yeah. It says, wheresoever the sole of your feet shall tread upon. If I wasn't walking, I won't meet my wife. If I was driving, I would drive past her. So it was, if I wasn't walking, I would not meet, would I meet you on that bus 12 going down to, no, I won't. So some of you are driving past your miracle. Okay. Be content. And number three, be charitable. If you're going to defeat that, learn to be a giver. Givers are possessors. Learn to give. Because when you have this giving mentality, you will stop saying I'm entitled to it. Let me give you three people and we close. Ruth had a giving mentality and then she married a Boaz. When she was going to walk in the field, she was not thinking about herself. She was thinking about her mother-in-law, Naomi. When Rebecca married Isaac, she wasn't thinking about herself. She was thinking about giving food and water to the servants that she had no idea about. When Esther became queen, Mordecai came to her and said, "Ah, Girl, wake up. Because you have no idea that you're here for such a time as this. And I've seen so many churches. Our conference is called such a time as this foolishness do you know what that means it means you are designed to save other people it it means that the car you have is for such a time to save a generation the house you have is for such a time to save a generation the job you have stop complaining stop thinking you are you're entitled to have it is there something wrong with you if god put you there stay there do you know that the man, the man complained about the master and he says, if you know I'm an evil person, then why? He says, take that from him. And that was the end of it. We complain about our boss. We complain about our church. We complain about the pastor. We complain about our wives. We complain about the kids. We complain about the mother. We complain. He says, he, he, at one point in time, don't you think you need to own the responsibility? Because wherever God puts you, you're not entitled to it. You're not entitled to the seat you're sitting on. It's too big. If I had known, I wouldn't have bought these big chairs. And then you sit on it and you go, to, you go to sleep. You're not entitled. Do you know you're not even entitled to that sleep? It is by God's grace. The breath of your air, when you breathe it, you're not entitled to it. You think you're better than the ones who are in hospital. You give thanks for it. You're appreciative that you're still alive. You are appreciative that your eyes can see, your legs can move, your extremities are intact. You are appreciative that God has placed you where you are. No one is entitled to anything. It is given to you, but you've got to fight for it. One woman came to say, Pastor, you told me to marry the person. I said, yes, but I didn't tell you to slap the man. You slapped the man. I said, but Pastor, you agreed. I agreed to what? Slapping or marrying? I don't know which one you're telling me I agreed to. 
and the same man that you so much frustrated and deported himself back to Africa. He just he literally went down uh, to 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 Heathrow and said, "I'm illegal." <laughs> no, I, I, it's not. A, it's not. A, I'm not lying. It's this church. No, it wasn't far. It's church. He just went there. He called me from Africa. I said, "I'm back at home." He he went to the. He says, "That's how much the woman put." He says, "I'm illegal here. I'm ready to go back." He went back. In three years, we met up again through, through my PA who said, I met this person. Guy called us. He says, oh, I said, where are you? He says, I'm in London. I, didn't they deport you? He says, yeah. But, some, but I met someone and someone and I just didn't want to get into that relationship. But the person said, another man's meat is some, uh, another man's uh, rubbish is someone else's uh, honor. Uh, or someone else's jewel. I don't care what it is. All she's saying is, you, you, you're worth better to me than the one who disposed you. God brought them together. How to, he said, Pastor, do you realize that I spend much time in the air than on the ground? The same fool that you tossed away has become a man that spends time flying all over the place in business. You slapped the guy because you felt you're entitled to it. You're entitled to him giving you peace. You're in that marriage because you feel I'm entitled to sex. I'm entitled to this. I am the man. I'm the man of the house. I'm the man. The Bible says, wise, you should submit. Wise up. Did you not read the others? It's foolishness that doesn't read the whole thing. It says, as Christ is the head of the church and gave his life. So before you want her to submit, die. It's as, as Christ died for the church, isn't it? Uh, the, 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 Christ says, I wasn't entitled to be the son of God. I earned it by coming down to die for your salvation. So I can give it to you free. I didn't, I'm not the child of God because by birth I was. I was the child of God sitting on the right hand of the father. Because when I humbled myself and died on the cross... He exalted me. If there's going to be an exaltation, you have to humble yourself. You're not entitled to it. You have to fight for it. God bless you. You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020 You can find us at the Citadel Worship Tabernacle 131 St. John's Way N19 3RQ Archway, London Thank you for listening